This is Very Bad Words, the podcast about swearing. I'm your host, Matt Fiddler. Very Bad Words is a podcast about culture through the words that we're not supposed to say. Now, I grew up in a family that loved bad words, but I was also taught that these words have a time and a place. But I always had questions about bad words that I never really found adequate answers to, like, why do we have certain words if we're not supposed to use them? So in this podcast, we're going to talk about these kinds of topics, such as which foreign language has the best swear words? When is it crossing the line in comedy? Swearing on TV, Tourette's syndrome, and we'll even look into the concept that cunt might actually be a feminist expression. Whatever the subject that we cover in any episode, I want to make sure that I get the information accurate, and it's a fun exploration of a concept that you'll probably hear nowhere else. Including this show's topic on one of the most popular swear words of them all. Shit. There was a, an exhibit in New York City. It was called the Sensation Exhibit. And uh, the mayor tried to shut it down because of some of the offensive art that was in there. I'm Matt Fiddler, and this is Very Bad Words. That's Dr. Timothy J., otherwise known as the psychologist of swearing. Now, the mayor at the time was Rudolph Giuliani, and the artists that Dr. J. was talking about were using some unusual techniques borrowed from Africa. African sort of uh, native art, they use shit as a medium to paint. And so there was one piece that was the Virgin Mary that was made out of elephant dung. You know, it was painted with elephant dung. Talking about shit, that's a, I, I wonder how many people even think about using shit as a, an art medium. <laughs> Welcome to Very Bad Words, the show all about swearing and forbidden language. I'm Matt Fiddler, and today we talk all sorts of shit. When I first had the idea to start a podcast about swearing, I was living in New York City. And without a clear direction of where I was going with it, I decided to just go out to Times Square and start asking people about what their favorite swear words were. Now, most people thought I was crazy or selling something, so they didn't talk to me at all. But the few people who did had this to say. Excuse me, I'm asking if people have any favorite swear words. Shit. Shit? Yeah. Shit. Cursing is bad. Why, why is cursing bad? No, no, I don't know. I'm just bullshitting. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite word, bullshit. All right, great, thank you. <laughs> I quickly found out that the word shit is really popular. Here's Dr. J. I've been recording the frequency of various swear words in English for over 40 years. And um, in recording in public, if, if we go out, which I've done several extensive studies, we've, we've probably recorded 10,000 people swearing in public. Two words, fucking shit, will, they can account for 30 to 50% of the data. Those two words alone can account for a third to half of all the swearing you hear in public. So shit is one of the most common words in English. And if you ask people to rate words in terms of frequency too, these will come up as being things that people say they hear a lot. And people aren't afraid to say the word. 
But before we go into why, I wanted to find out a little bit about Schitt's background. It's one of the true Anglo-Saxon words uh, dating back to about the year 1000, uh, along with turd and arse. So we can trace it back to Middle English, but it seems fairly clear that it should be traced back substantially farther than that. That's Professor Randall Eggert from the University of Utah. For the past 11 years, I've been teaching a class on the linguistics of taboo words called bad words and taboo terms. Randall thinks that the word shit is substantially older than it can be traced in Middle English because, for one thing, swear words are usually not written down. You usually don't write down slang in general, it's just spoken. And of course, many people were illiterate and couldn't write them down anyway. But another reason why Professor Eggert believes it was so old was that shit was around during English's root language, Germanic. It's at least a Germanic word in that we you know, are proto-Germanic, in that we find it in, you know, language after language in the Germanic family, in Dutch, in Icelandic, in Norwegian, Swedish, German, and so on. That, when you see it in that many different languages, it suggests that it's probably, you know, a result of it, of it descending from a common ancestor. To add to this history, I decided to bring in linguist Jeff Nunberg from UC Berkeley. A couple of years ago, he wrote a book called Ascent of the Asshole, but he also knows something about shit. The word begins in Old English, you know, for uh, diarrhea in cattle. And at some point around the 16th century, it evolves into something like the, the modern sense of feces. Here's Randall Eggert. Some of the early uses of it were certainly for cow diarrhea. My impression looking at the, the Oxford English Dictionary is that at least the earliest uses of it in English probably wasn't exclusively livestock related. It probably also was for humans. But, you know, it's not hard to imagine that in sort of an insulting way you would talk about people, you know, having, having diarrhea like a cow. And here's Jeff Nunberg again. Still has something like that older meaning when you say he has the shits to mean he has diarrhea. So uh, it's been around in English uh, for an indefinitely long time, one way or another. Uh, It's really in the the late 19th century, as with all these other vulgar words, that it it gets going and and becomes this uh, extraordinarily broad, expressive word in this range of constructions and expressions and so on. And that's part of a more general uh, pattern where, where by all these words like ass and fuck and piss and so on, acquire these, these new senses, sometimes far removed from their original anatomical or scatological meanings. Okay, now here's an incomplete list of some of those words and phrases coming from the word shit that are totally divorced from shit's original scatological meaning. Bullshit. Holy shit. The shit's gonna hit the fan. You're shitting me. Shooting the shit. Shit out of luck. Bat shit crazy. Shithead. Chicken shit. Up shit creek. Shit or get off the pot. Get your shit together. Fucked up shit. Shit faced. Almost all of these are, are fairly recent in the history of the language. I mean, they're in 19th century. Uh, some of them go back a little earlier. The ones that have more to do with with excrement itself, like uh, in deep shit or shit or get off the pot, something like that, where you still have the sense of shit hit the fan. I'm not sure when that comes in, but there there's still a sense of excrement. 
But these other senses, I mean, there are various uses of, of shit in English. One is just the stuff. I got a lot of shit to do. I don't have time for all this shit. Don't leave your shit all over the floor. Uh, shit happens. In those cases, shit is just a, a, a substitute for stuff. There's another use of shit where it's what linguists call a minimizer, like anything or nothing. So uh, you say, uh, you don't know shit about fishing, or you can say, you know shit about fishing, with one word or the other. You've said exactly the same thing. And in either case, it means the least possible, the least possible amount. And then there are all these uh, negative uh, expressions like, uh, I don't give a shit, don't shit me, uh, shit face, shit out of luck, shit head, uh, up shit creek, and so on, where it just contributes a kind of negative valence to some expression. There are positive ones, too. We say, oh, shit, but we say, holy shit, to express surprise. But why shit, of all things? Is it because shit, you know, feces, is something just really basic and common to all people? Yeah, I think it's it's so elemental. Everybody shits. And, uh, you know, and you shit from the minute you're born. You don't fuck until you're older. So shit as a as an object and as a process is extremely it's one of the most elemental things that we do and we have like shit and piss. So every everybody understands this. And maybe even we're taught during potty training about the uh disgustingness of it and i think that's why it's so so much more fundamental than a lot of other words a two-year-old knows what shit is a two-year-old doesn't know what fuck is and then there are outwardly positive phrases like that's the shit or good shit like a pig and shit the image of it is dirty right but we're th we're thinking about not the shit but the pig's happiness you know, that they like to wallow around in, in mud. You know, there's probably some pig shit in there too. Uh, but again, their meaning becomes frozen. They become conventionalized through use. And um, it's hard to think of how you would use like a happy cocksucker. You know, it just, I, it's almost like raw probability. It's like raw frequency. The more it's used that way, the more it's accepted that way. And the other positive connotation has to do with drugs. This is some good shit. Uh, it's been around since at least the 40s. What do you think is the reason why they would, why, why drug culture would take that word? Well, you can't call it heroin. I guess that's the point. If you want to, you know, you can't say, hey, I want to buy some heroin or that's some good heroin. You have to use the code of the community you're in, so... And so then maybe the taboo nature of it in the first place, too, because, again, it can mean just stuff. Yes. Well, when you think about some good shit, you know, and you think about what's disgusting, I don't – can you imagine – I thought of this a while back, you know. Can you imagine they're selling, like, salad dressing on TV, and you wouldn't say, this is some good shit. <laughs> because then people wouldn't want to put it on their salad. That's just, that's just my demented mind. So maybe you wouldn't use the word shit to try to sell food, but we use it to describe things that aren't shitty all the time, including some food items. Take the story that Professor Eggert tells his students all the time. As I was walking through the student union building at the University of Utah, um, walking towards the cafeteria, and I just happened to overhear this group of, of three young men. They were probably about 20 years old. And one of them turns to the others and says, hey, you want to go get some shit to eat? <laughs> Which I, you know, 
what, what struck me was just how normal of a sentence that was, that it wasn't until about, until about 10 minutes later that it occurred to me that, that was a really odd thing to say. None of us are going to go out and get some shit to eat. Randall's right. While it's really common to use it in this way, it is an odd thing to say. Anyway, we're going to take a very short break and be right back to hear from a woman who tries to only use shit literally and never as a metaphor for something good. Plus, later in the show, we'll look into the idea that shit comes from an acronym. You're listening to Very Bad Words. Subscribe to us in iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Very Bad Words. I'm Matt Fiddler. On this episode, we're talking about the ridiculously variable word, shit. It's a word we often use, but rarely in its original meaning, that is, as feces. But Karen C. doesn't like to use it in that way at all. Now, she'll say the word. Well, I only like to use shit literally. Shit is excrement, so while those drugs are some good shit, I'm not putting shit in my body. Like, oh, let me just grab my shit. Like, I paid money for my stuff. I'm not flushing it down the toilet. Shit is a word used for excrement. And we have better words, many of us, than having to use a word that means something that comes out of your body and that you wipe out of your ass for stuff or things. It occurred to Karen that there is a connection between actual things and the words you label them. I did an NLP class. Uh, neurolinguistic programming, and they talked about embedded commands. Okay, so neurolinguistic programming is pretty controversial, and I'm not here to endorse it or to shun it. But it's an approach to thinking and communication. Now, I can't say whether it does what it claims to do or not, but I found the concept of embedded commands really interesting. The idea of an embedded command is to have positive correlation compared to negative correlation. Karen describes it this way. So the first thing you do when somebody tells you not to look down is you look down because the embedded command is look down. All you hear is look down. Like, have you ever told a group of kids not to cough or not to laugh? Yeah, it's impossible. If you suggest that and not to do it, they're going to do it. And so that's what she's talking about here. So if you're talking about your belongings and they mean something to you, then why would you call them shit? Shit is shitty. Like, it's, it's excrement. You know, but my belongings are not shit. My food is not shit. My, you know, extracurriculars are not shit. That was some great fucking sex. <laughs> yeah, why even associate something that should be positive, good sex, good food, with something so horribly negative? I mean, words have meanings, right? When you look at the meaning of words, especially taboo words, you can't only look at its denotative meaning of what it actually picks out in the world, but that you also have to think about what it means emotionally and socially. Professor Randall Eggert. You know, and we can see this in language, that we have a, a number of words whose purpose in the language is solely to express emotion. A word like wow has no other function in language except to, to indicate that you're surprised by something. 
uh, a word like ouch has no other purpose than to indicate that you're in pain. And so we have these these words who have that have no denotative meaning at all. And what I would argue is that part of what makes taboo words special is they have a heightened emotional power. And with time, the actual denotative meaning kind of gets bleached away from these words as they get used more and more to express emotions. And, and again, this is a, something we see throughout history. Um, if you go back to the time of the plagues, uh, you know, the Black Plague, plague itself became a, a taboo word and more and more it started being used just to express emotion. So if you didn't like something, you would call it plaguey, um, just meaning bad in the same way that today we would say shitty. But its use today doesn't have to be plaguey or something filthy and bad. Shit doesn't have to describe something shitty anymore. It can easily be positive. That's the shit, or neutral even. What is that shit? And we can do this precisely because of the taboo nature of the word. And that taboo nature came from its literal meaning. With taboo words, you can kind of flip the valence on them. Um... You know, most of the time they're negative, but with friends, for example, you can take a word like motherfucker and turn it into something good, right? So, you know, you're one crazy motherfucker. Um, you can take a word like bastard and it becomes kind of a, a, a pet term for somebody. Um, even a word like bitch, not so much with men against women, but women with women, bitch can take on a positive term. You know, she's my bitch. I mean, not, you know, if, you, if a man says that, it kind of sounds bad. But when a woman says that of another woman, means they're good friends. Yeah, why? Well, it's just, it, again, I think it, it comes down to that power, that, that emotional power. And with the right context, you can flip that and still preserve the power of it without keeping the negative meaning behind it. And I think we do this frequently enough that it seems... We can do it with just about any word, even even non-taboo words. You can see it happening, like bad can mean good in a certain context. In Massachusetts, you've got wicked. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Which, you know, should be a bad word, but it becomes a good word. And I think that's why you get things like, you know, that's really good shit, um, you know, especially like with drugs or something like that. At the same time, I think you have to, to keep in mind the third part of the meaning which is the social part. So to recap, first, there's the literal meaning of shit, feces, diarrhea. And because feces is potentially dangerous and universally understood as disgusting, that creates the taboo nature of the word shit, which comes to the second part of shit's meaning, the emotional part. A taboo word brings emotion, which can be used for emphasis, negative or positive. Then there is this third social part of taboo words. These words, you know, all words have a certain social impact on us. So some words are more formal than others. And we, we understand that some words are reserved for certain situations, others for other situations, like you would use poop only with certain people, you're not going to use that with your doctor, for example, you're probably not going to use it with your friends when you're hanging out on a Friday night, it's reserved mostly for children. So all of these words have a certain indicator of the situation they're used in. 
taboo words carry with them, again, a, a pretty powerful social meaning, namely that they are taboo, that they are not supposed to be used, at least not in polite society. And because of that, that also tends to give them a certain social power, not just the emotional power, but they have a social resonance to us so that they mark the relationship that you've got with the people you're talking with. And people try to capitalize on this idea that if someone is swearing in front of you, they must be close to you. They must respect you to talk so real with you, even if it's just through social media. Like from Kathy Lee Gifford, trying to explain that shit came from an acronym. Some years ago, um, Kathy Lee Gifford contacted me because apparently on her Facebook page, she had been claiming that uh, shit meant store high in transit. The argument was that on ocean liners, they were using manure as a fuel source. And, you know, if the ship took on water, it got wet, then it would turn to methane, and then there would be an explosion. And so you had to store the manure up high. And so they put store high in transit, and then over time that got abbreviated to shit. So that was the, the story she was telling on her Facebook page. And it's, it's complete nonsense. Um, somebody had fun with it, invented the story, who knows when. It went viral when email was introduced. I mean, I remember receiving that email back in 95. But it's just, yeah, it's just, it's flat out wrong. There's no, no evidence whatsoever for it. Um, certainly at the time that shit came into the English language, um, you know, very few people in the language could actually read. But since it undoubtedly dates back well before the 14th century, it probably predates English altogether. So, it, no, it's just, it's, there's no, no evidence whatsoever that, it's, that it was an acronym. So, in other words, Kathy Lee Gifford is full of shit. At least in this case. If anyone claims that a word came from an acronym, it probably didn't. Now, shit, as we've been saying in this episode, is very fundamental. Hence, its popularity. In fact, I've seen it argued that every language has a taboo word for shit, which turns out not to be true. But the fact that somebody would even make that claim suggests just how common it is cross-linguistically to use scatological terms as a taboo word. The one exception I've heard, uh, my, my former professor, Gerald Sadock, who's an expert on Greenlandic Eskimo, has told me that Greenlandic Eskimo has no taboo words for excrement. Maybe because it's so cold, it just freezes right away and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that, that was his speculation, too. <laughs> yeah, actually, that is that, that his argument was that when you're in a society where sewage is not as big of a concern as it is in other places, that it's not as likely to lead to taboo words. But in most parts of the world, shitting is such a dangerous thing historically that we had to be very concerned about it. And it became a very taboo practice. And because of that, it led to it being a taboo word. You don't shit where you eat. You know, that's, that's got to be one of the first rules that society made. And that's it for this episode of Very Bad Words. I want to thank my guests, Timothy J., Jeffrey Nunberg, Randall Eggert, and Karen C., Jill Fincher was the co-producer for this episode. I'm Matt Fidley. 
We just started a new season of Very Bad Words and we'll be releasing new episodes every other week for the next several months. So please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Audio Boom, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please rate and review us in any of those services. This really helps the show out. Thank you so much. You can also engage with us on Facebook, Twitter, at Dirty Wordscast, and Instagram. See you in two weeks for more episodes of Very Bad Words. Thanks for listening. All right, so you think about um, dick, pussy, cock, cunt, tits. Anybody could put any of that in their mouth. Shit, no, no.